What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 171. Good show planned for you. Much shorter show than last week. Went a little bit long, admittedly, which was my fault. We had a lot of stuff on the agenda. And then a list I completely forgot about. So we wanted to get all that in, which was the reason for the almost two hours. Uh, but that's not our usual here. We try to keep it around the 45-minute to an hour mark. We're going to do that this week, hopefully. And if we don't, then I'm going to cut this out before before we release it so nobody <laughs> will think I'm an idiot. Um, got some, yeah, like I said, some good stuff. Um, some MLB we're going to start off with. We have some NFL later on, as usual. Uh, but I, I want to get... <laughs> Right off the bat, before we get into the topics we just discussed, uh, did you happen to get a message from your brother yesterday, Ben? I did. I did. <laughs> and I, 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 and uh, my initial reaction was, okay, let me go to Twitter. Let me go to Facebook. Let me go to MLB.com and ESPN. And I subsequently uh, sent him a message saying, I don't see it anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. And then, he, and then he responded with the April Fool's. Yeah. Uh, so. Full disclosure, I, for a moment, legitimately thought it was real because there was yeah. a report a few days earlier that Manfred was going to be meeting with the players to try to solve the relationship, amend the relationship between the two of them because Manfred's an idiot and the players know it. Uh, and then he sends me that. Manfred stepped down. It was just very – or Rob stepped down. It was a very short message. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, I was like, oh, wow, the meeting went that poorly that Rob Manfred just stepped down because he, he realized how bad he'd screwed up. And I started to type in MLB.com to see the official like statement. And then I remember what day it was. Yeah. And I, t- I wrote him right back. I'm like, yeah, okay. Half a second he got me. That was good. That was good. But um, unfortunately, it is just an April Fool's joke. The everlasting baseball nightmare that is Rob Manfred as their leader uh, uh, persists. Um, and uh doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon, unfortunately. so That's well, just like the uh, Julian Edelman Oh yeah, tweet yeah. That got put out there. People were mad about that. It's April Fools. It's fun. God, man, calm down. Get over it. Yeah, get, if you're that, if, uh, if you're that up your own ass, you can't have a jo- take a joke on April Fools' Day. Just yeah. stay inside and 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 stare at paint drying. Honestly, have a personality. And every time I saw something, Chris, whether it was whatever sport it was, I said, "Let me go to Twitter. Let me go to the most respected person." You know, pretty much. Anything football, I went to Adam Schefter. If it wasn't there, I didn't buy it. So there, there was a lot put out there, and it's like, you know what? Let people have their fun. That's fine. Yeah. I have no problem with that. It would be a great way, though, if you had something that was unexpected to happen. You could do it on that day, and people would be yeah. wondering until until they found that it was official. And yeah. then people would be asking, and you'd be like, oh, I don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then the whole time, it's like legitimate. All right. So something else I saw, uh, um, baseball related, which I, I couldn't I couldn't believe uh, was real. Uh, Brian Cashman, um, renowned, renowned and beloved GM of the New York Yankees, has apparently blamed their their World Series drought on the Houston Astros because. The one year the Houston Astros played them in the playoffs, I believe it was one year that they're saying they cheated in the playoffs. Um, apparently is the cause of the Yankees just not making it to the World Series in in, in some time now. I think they won in two thousand nine. Uh, so apparently, since two thousand nine, 
even though nothing happened with Houston until, I believe, 2016, late 2016, early 2017. And I think it was the 2017 playoffs in question between the Yankees and Astros, even though nothing happened until then, between 2009 and that time. And since then, nothing has apparently happened. It is still the Astros' fault that Brian Cashman couldn't do his job good enough to get the Yankees another World Series. Uh, I don't really know what to say about this. I... I honestly am hoping I'm taking it too seriously and it wasn't April Fool's joke. Because, like, if this is legitimate, this is really, really sad. This is a grown adult who's blaming a 14-year drought on something that happened during a small portion of one season when he is directly responsible for putting the players together on that team to make it work and make it run. Um, I'm really just hoping it was an April Fool's joke and I didn't get it. And if it was, hey, you know what? That's a good one. Then I can laugh at that. But, uh, so, man, if it's real, that is a whole new level of soft. The only thing I'll say to uh, whether it was real or not is that, you know, like anything that, like anything yesterday, I kind of like wanted to do some research. But where I saw it first, I saw it from Jared Carabas. And, and this is a, you know, kind of a, the head of the baseball twitter like when he puts something out there it gets likes it gets retweets it gets action it gets traction and he puts some statements out he's also a red sox fan so full disclosure he has a little bias he's got good taste recall he's got good taste yeah well he's a he's a he's a uh massachusetts native but um he put it out there he had some statements and i'm like well if he's gonna make a statement on that then then there's gotta be some truth to it so i still leave the door open as you do that it could have been just some april foods joke by some fan or the front office or whatever but if it's real it's just the sad state of the yankees on where they're at and how far they've fallen since george steinbrenner had 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 owned the team and uh up until he passed on uh how this wouldn't be tolerated this kind of oh no my god discussion in public atmosphere would not be not be something he would tolerate so no it's something where the the yankee organization needs to look at and say internally we can think that externally we can't have that narrative out there that we're have this victimhood about the astros because every other team could have that victimhood of of being cheated by the Astros. Great. Everyone has that idea. That doesn't mean it's going to prevent you from winning the World Series. And B, uh, let's let's say it's 2015, the first time it started. Have the Astros won every World Series from 2015 till this past year? No. 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 They haven't even been in the all the ALCS. So you're you're blaming the wrong person look internally first for blame about the roster construction and the payroll you're spending on that's my that's my two cents on yeah, the only thing i see here i just i just googled brian cashman astros and it's yeah. every like there's not one mention of it being an april fool's joke uh which i i it would it would have come from somewhere he would have said it was a joke you know other people would have said it was a joke the only thing here is just a New York newspaper saying that he is the fool of April, <laughs> um, which is pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, 
yeah, I mean, this is this is a grown adult whose job it is to put this team together, and he has a a a, a series now of uh, exorbitant contracts that have not resulted in a championship. And I think he's grasping at straws. And I 100% agree with you. If George Steinbrenner, look, I'm a Red Sox fan. I have no love for the Yankees. But with rivalry in a healthy, I think in the mind of a healthy sports fan, comes a certain level of respect for your rival. Uh, and while I didn't like George Steinbrenner, the Yankees owner, uh, the owner himself had some, you know, he was no nonsense and he kind of had to respect that. And he wanted his team to win and he would put the team on the field, the product on the field to win. And it's pretty clear that without Steinbrenner's guiding light, uh, Cashman is um, just not the same. And he's grasping for straws to try to not, not saying he's garbage, but he's just apparently not the same. They haven't, I mean, they haven't had the same success without him that they had with him when, Stein, when George Steinbrenner was there. So, that's a good observation. I 100% agree with that. Uh, it would not be allowed. He would have, within seconds of that being stated, Cashman would have been in Steinbrenner's office, and it would have, he would have read him the riot act. They would not have let yeah. that stand. Um, but as much as I don't like them, that's not what the Yankees organization is about. They're a historic franchise. They're not, they're not about, you know, they're about playing well, good baseball getting good players who want to go there because of the Yankees, not excuses and whining. And I'm going to crawl into a corner here and blame everybody else because, because I did bad at my job or maybe not necessarily bad, but I did not produce the required outcome for my job. So I, yeah, it's pretty sad. And uh, I just hope that it comes out that it was an April Fool's show. Cause if not, it's not a good look, but is something else baseball related. Oh, the, the umpires now announcing replay results to the crowd. Okay, cool. I mean, that's fine. Umpires aren't going to like it because the MLB umpires are kind of like gatekeepers in their own thing where like they just do things their own way and nobody can tell them otherwise. And I'm sure it's going to go over well with them that they now have to explain to the crowd why they did what they did. But, um, hey, you're paying all this money to go to a game now and you see a replay and you want to know why your favorite team didn't get that call. So it's kind of par for the course now where we are with the technology and everything. Yeah. And it's just another thing to elongate the game without adding any actual value to the play. So that's that's also good. Good job, Rob. Good job. We good with baseball? I think we're all set. All right. On to the NFL. Uh, I believe we're going to start. We're going to start with Arians or the contracts? Uh, No, we're starting with Kaepernick. Ka- okay. Missed two out of three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, those that don't know Kaepernick, and, and, and look, once again, for the sake of argument, this has to do with the talent of the player on the field. You Ben and I have made it very clear. Uh, we're we're a hundred percent for people expressing their opinions, but I, for myself, uh, don't think when Kaepernick started all this um, social movement that he thinks he started, uh, he had the best interest in mind. I think he was saving his own ass. Now, if the end result is a good product, then who really cares? It's fine. But I don't know. 
I think I, I think he had his own motives in mind, and it kind of morphed into something different. But we're going to discuss on the field because mm-hmm. I do think he was blackballed from the NFL, and I do think he was far better than just about every backup and maybe some starters for the length of time between when he last played and now. And it's very hypocritical of the NFL to come out with all of these stickers on the helmets and uh, let's all work together and end racism and things like that in the end zone and all this stuff. It's, it's a nice show for the public. And then behind the scenes, they're blackballing a dude who is at least saying he was trying to do the same things. So agree with the concept. They're not all you want, but they're doing one thing with the left hand and telling you something else with the right hand. And it's, it's, I know there's a, I, I, the analogy is wrong. I get it. I did it wrong, but I didn't have time to think on the fly what I was trying to say. But I mean, it's, it's be consistent. And there's no consistency when it comes to this with the NFL. You know, they, they, $100 million pledged to help social causes, which, dude, I'm all for helping anybody who might need help. And I'm all for whatever, whatever can get everybody on the same page and to end all this insane finger pointing. To each other uh, i'm all for that but to then essentially blackball the dude who for whatever reason he he had started this all this doesn't add up two plus two isn't equal one four there so that's my point of view on that uh but he had a uh was it was it it wasn't actually a tryout it was just a workout right just a workout yeah, he a workout worked out and, with a uh, bunch of different receiver nfl receivers yeah uh and apparently now he's open to a backup role Right, and I think he is going to have an actual workout for a few NFL teams, uh, and we'll see what he still has. Again, full disclosure: nothing, nothing, nothing against anything he might or may not believe in, uh, but uh, I don't think he was that exceptional of a quarterback when he stopped playing, and I think he knew that, which is why he had to find another cause to, you know, he had to find another reason why he wasn't. Uh, being uh, started and accepted and why he, he knew he was going to be cut. So all of a sudden, he made himself uncuttable by bringing race into it. And and I think, Chris, when we look, when I look at this, two things. One, he is more likely to succeed in uh, the landscape that we're in right now as far as athletic performance, and what their expectations for a quarterback is. Sure. He is in a time where he will, his talents and his abilities would be sought after greatly. And his success in the NFL would be, would increase, I'd say, tenfold. Uh, that being said, he would also have a tougher time trying out now because there's such an influx of talent coming Mm -hmm. in that has his same traits as a quarterback mobility arm strength accuracy can be debated but a lot of people are coming in with accuracy issues but that's something that could be developed Uh, arm strength the ability to move the chains during broken plays a lot more quarterbacks are coming in and they're seeing success. They're implementing a lot more college schemes into the NFL. So at at one time, it's going to help him with his skill set. But in the same time, a lot less jobs are going to be available because 
of that influence and influx of schemes and players. And that's the problem he's going to have is, which is good that he's identified at least publicly that he's willing to take a backup role because that's kind of what he's going to need. He's going to need a backup role to put himself in a position when an injury inevitably will happen that he'll be able to slide in and say, okay, I can take over this role. Uh, I will put, for instance, uh, let's say Trey Lance is the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. If Collins the backup, Trey Lance is starting, 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 and he gets injured. I don't think it would be out of the room of possibility for him to easily transition into the starting role. I understand it's the 49ers and he probably wouldn't go to the 49ers because their history, but off the top of my head, that's the best example. I would say the chargers, same kind of situation. Justin Herbert gets injured. I think you could replicate what you need, uh, what you got out of Justin Herbert with Colin Kaepernick, maybe not to the greatest success and you would see a slight decline, but Who's the backup for uh, the Chargers? I think it's Easton Stick. Who, yeah, I think so, yeah. Who has no NFL experience to speak of, really, and doesn't have the talent that even now Colin Kaepernick has. So um, I think it's good for him to put it out there. Uh, shout out. He is the honorary captain for the Maize and Blue game that's going on today. Uh, Maize and Blue game is the Michigan um, Wolverines um, – spring uh spring uh spring game so that's a cool thing obviously there's a connection between him and hardball and then they go back all the way to the 49ers um and i'll answer this one question and chris i'll turn it over to you does he get a start does he get a backup role uh i think he does uh i want to say seattle uh because there's just been so much tied to him from the time that this started, there was mm-hmm. there was that connection. He's had tryouts with Seattle with Pete Carroll. Uh, and Pete Carroll seems to keep, be the kind of head coach that would bring him in to be able to kind of lasso that, that parade that would happen initially. Um, I, I think that would be the kind of scenario. Or if we go on the other, other spectrum, and this is crazy, a structured organization that could take him in, deflect the noise, and just let him play ball. New England Patriots. Well, here's here's the thing. I and this is actually I'm glad you brought that. This is gonna help me clarify what I meant before because I was kind of all over the place. Um, I have. When I say circus that comes with him, it's not necessarily a negative connotation. It's just there's a lot going on around him wherever he goes. There's a lot of cameras. There's a lot of this. There's people with perfectly reasonable questions. People who, you know, you got the far left and the far right. And we won't get political on this show, but the far, far version of either of those sides, I think we can both agree, is 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 pretty insane. Um. And you have both of those that kind of glom onto him. And you're terrible for this. And you're terrible for that. And you're terrible for not doing this. And you're terrible for not doing that. 
And there's probably a lot of people around him who just want to have a good conversation. Be like, hey, you know what? Maybe if we just talked a little bit, we'd understand more. Or if we listened a little bit, we'd understand more. Or if we just didn't concern ourselves with things that didn't affect us directly, everything would be a little bit better. But everybody's got to be nosy and butt in. Um, so there is a circus that follows him. And, you know, that's by his own doing. My problem isn't with the fact he voices opinion, or he has a feeling, or he has an emotion, or he has an opinion. I fully respect anybody's rights to express that. If, whatever you want to do, if you're not harming somebody else, everybody to go ahead and do it. That's how I feel. Uh, but, we discussed this before. The timing of him all of a sudden caring about this particular cause he's championed now since he left, or been blackballed from the NFL, is suspect. This is a guy. Go back and look at videos. I know nobody wants to go back and look at videos anymore because it can prove them wrong, and nobody can t handle that anymore. But look at this guy the year before he got released, the year before he started taking a knee and putting a fist up and all that stuff. He's sitting there after a terrible game. Yeah. I remember this very well. This is the moment I decided he was an idiot way before any of this stuff ever happened. After a terrible game, after he got a massive contract extension, and he's wearing this fur coat at the post-game <laughs> press conference with a pair of like those Beats by Dre headphones on right, and sunglasses. Too cool for school. Couldn't answer any questions. Didn't want anything to do with the media. And then all of a sudden, it starts swirling that 49ers might just eat the cap hit and let him go. Just release him. All of a sudden, now he's Mr. Social Cause. Now, he's a brilliant guy. And it might be a coincidence. Maybe he was going to do this anyways. But the timing's a little suspect. That's my issue. My other issue is everybody's talking like this guy is the original coming of Patrick Mahomes, and he was just blackballed in his prime. Uh -huh. He was severely declining already and then was released. Yes, 100% agree he was blackballed. However, let's not act like this is a dude that was going to light the world on fire. Still should have had his opportunities, no doubt. But to answer your question, I could totally see him getting signed by a team like Seattle and competing for the starting job because between him and Drew Locke, who really knows as long as they keep both the receivers being Metcalf and uh, Lockett. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's been a lot of talk about Metcalf potentially moving. I don't think they're going to trade him no. uh, because, you know, they're a decent offseason away from having that offense at least be able to be competitive again. Building the defense is probably a little bit different story. They traded for Jamal Adams and then have nothing else around him now. I'm sure he's thrilled to be there instead of in New York. I'm sure. So, I could see him being in a place like Seattle, um, mm -hmm. and Pete Carroll, you know, from the point of view of, you know, let's face it, we talked about this with Brian Flores, there's a portion of the NFL that is ready to, to uh, is accepting and inclusive, and I, I think that's probably the majority of it, and then there's still some, some good old boy gatekeepers up in, in some of these front offices and ownership, who, they're just setting their ways. Not it's yeah. not it's not good it's not good. I'm not justifying it, but it is what it is. And I don't think you have that problem in Seattle. And for all you could say, you wouldn't have that problem in New England either. 
because anybody can sit there and say what they want about Belichick, but every single player said when a lot of these social issues broke out a couple years ago and there was a lot of riots, there was a lot of issues, every single uh, black player on that team came out and said, Belichick told us if we ever need to talk about anything, if we're ever having a problem, if we're feeling a certain kind of way, there's an open door policy, we can go to him and he will be there for us, and he was. So anybody out there thinking that that would play a part of it, it wouldn't. Belichick cut Tebow because Tebow was a circus too. Granted, quarterback-wise, talent-wise, Kaepernick. Right. Arm strength, ability, accuracy. Far above, far above Tebow. But with today's landscape being so competitive, like you were like you were saying, I don't think he finds a starting job unless it's in Seattle. Maybe. I mean, maybe Detroit. Yeah. Possibly Detroit. Let, let's do what we did for Baker. Let's run down the list really quick. Really quick, because it's not going to yeah. take long. Because majority of teams are 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 set. Yeah, uh, we're talking potential starting. Nowhere in the AFC East. Uh, well, I would I would say as a backup role he could be there. I, but I said starting much. though. Okay, well starting, yeah, you're right. Nothing yeah, there. Uh, backup could be potentially anywhere, depending right. on what what he what he values. What what if he has a preference? Um, and because I would assume. That he as well, uh, because whatever reason he started it for, he has run with this cause that he has. And, you know, I've heard very good things about it, and I've heard some very negative, dark things about it. So you can Google all the information on yourself. That's not what this podcast is about. Um, I know I've already pissed enough people off with what I said, but that's how I feel. So, you know, it's my opinion. Uh, but uh, let's see here. And AFC North is pretty set. I mean, I really do think, I I think the Steelers right now are ready to roll with Trubisky. Yep. Uh, I but I mean, you know, possibly Pittsburgh if he came in and and really 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 showed out at his at his workout. I think they could bring him into camp. The South, I don't think so. I think maybe Houston, but I think they're happy rolling with Davis Mills and seeing what he has. Certainly, no, they want to get the, certainly not the West. No, they want they want to go with Davis Mills first. I, I I'm firmly belief after this past season there. Yeah, and I don't blame them. Committed. Kid, kids, got, kids got something. Uh, Giants, but they have a couple people signed already. You never yeah. know. Uh, Lions, like I said. Um, maybe the Panthers, but I doubt it. Uh, and then. Seahawks. I mean, there's not a whole lot for starting wise. There's not a whole lot of options, and there's not really, to be honest with you, a whole lot of scenarios. Maybe number four or five scenarios that he could go in and potentially end up starting if something goes wrong. You could see him maybe potentially starting Pittsburgh if Trubisky doesn't cut it. You could see him potentially starting in Atlanta if Mariota's terrible. Detroit if Goff isn't any good, which you know, <laughs> there's a joke there itself. So I. I I don't I don't know if he really does want to be signed though. That's the thing. We talked about this last time a couple years ago when he was going to try out for the NFL and there was a whole thing where he wanted to do it on his turf because he thought the NFL had it in for him and the NFL wanted to do it on their turf because they thought he was going to try to pull something with the media. Right. And there was just this complete distrust and it fell apart and it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Mhm. And it's like 
it doesn't have to be a circus if what you're really concerned about is football. You can do all the media and the social stuff at a different time. You can't always tie everything together. If you want to get back on the field, sometimes you're going to have a tryout in a closed gym with two dudes and a clipboard who just want to see what you can still do. And I don't know if he's able to do that because of the circus that does follow him. So this is this is what I'll say on that, Chris. As I, I kind of been formulating my thoughts on that aspect of what you're talking about. Does he still have it? Did, did he pass his prime? And this is what I think. And I could be wrong. Um, I correlate him to Johnny Manziel, Michael Vick, uh, and to a lesser degree, um, Cam Newton, where all three of these guys, again, lesser degree for Cam Newton because I think Cam Newton obviously had more success. So this is more pertaining to the the, the front two, Vic and uh, Johnny Manziel, where they try to get, where they try to utilize their athletic abilities and natural gifts of of throwing the ball with strength, with accuracy, to have success. And it worked in um, the college. Johnny Manziel had great success at Texas A&M. Michael Vic had great success at Virginia Tech. Cam Newton had an exciting season at Auburn, which led to a Heisman and a national championship, okay? Uh, I don't know what kind of success Colin Kaepernick had in Nevada. I know he kind of – they started running what is the beginning of what is now prevalent in the uh, college game and seeping into the NFL. Uh, But think of this. Remember the first game of the Wildcat the um, Miami Dolphins implemented, and it caught it caught more specifically the New England Patriots by surprise, and then the NFL, and eventually it took I would say a year. That's probably three quarters of a season, and then the beginning parts of the following season before the NFL kind of just said, yeah. You can run aspects of it, but you can't run it as your base offense. I think Colin Kaepernick and and Jim Harbaugh and the Niners caught the NFL by surprise with his abilities, uh, with his unique style. There was trying to be that influx of talent. You know, Michael Vick started it. Well, actually, probably take it all the way to Warren Moon and then Randall Cunningham. And then Michael Vick kind of escalated that, uh, but you know that that size, strength, and ability that that isn't really heard of back then, but now is is prevalent in the NFL at the quarterback position. I think he may have just leaned leaned too much on his athletic ability, and I think uh, the case in point you brought up with, you know, how he kind of changed himself and, and became that. I'm too good for this. I'm too cool for you. I'm not going to answer it. And maybe that overconfidence of just in his, his basic abilities, uh, his abilities and not really putting work in maybe was the downfall of him. And like you said, the Niners were willing to eat that money. And then I can only imagine Harbaugh probably had a problem with that only because now he's at the maze and blue game. So clearly there's still some 
connection between Harbaugh and Kaepernick, sure. I'm assuming. Um, so maybe it was more of a divide between uh, Harbaugh and Kaepernick against the front office of the Niners. That could be it. We don't know the whole story. But I would say there might be – there might have been that, you know, I'm going to rely just on my abilities and not really put that work in the classroom. I'm only speculating. I don't have any proof. I don't have any inside knowledge to what the 49ers, you know, offensive game plan room was about. But, you know, someone with that ability um, in his prime, I think could have changed the NFL. But, you know, the proof's in the pudding. He, he went the way he went with his uh, political stance and – uh, his on-the-field performance had already suffered before that. I think there's there is a a line to draw to diminished abilities and a concern to keep his job. Yeah. In the NFL, and I wonder, did he have that little Michael Vick, Johnny Manziel in him, where I'm going to just do this with my raw abilities, and that's only going to get you so far in yeah. any sports because. Mm-hmm. Think of Pedro Serrano. He, uh, that's a character from the movie Major League. Could hit the crap out of a fastball, but drop that hook, he can't hit it. And so the, there's only so far you can get with natural abilities and raw talent. You kind of have to develop, and that might have been his downfall. And maybe, maybe now we'll see Kaepernick have a more um, rounded game with a little more understanding of schemes and playbooks and not just rely too much on arm strength and his mobile ability. That's just my thoughts. No. And that's, there's a lot of, a lot of validity in there. And, and if he is taking this seriously, uh, then you may see a whole different side of him. If you do see a more uh, cerebral attempt at actually playing and learning the playbook, rather than just, I'm going to athleticism my way out of this stuff. But you and I both, watching football since as long as for as long as we can remember and how many times have you seen a quarterback especially a quarterback you know running backs have short career expectancies because of the abuse they take but how many times have we seen a quarterback who, who looks really high and it was really good and then they just kind of plateau because they come out of nowhere so when you kind of look at where they were in the grand scheme of things they weren't even necessarily at the top of the league but they went from unexpected to to, to in the public eye so fast that people kind of perceived them to be better than they were. Yeah. And I think people were looking at this guy's on the field run with rose colored glasses saying, my God, he was incredible. And look, that first season he was, he was special. He was something different. And that second season, he was, he was good. And he got that contract extension, that massive contract at the time. Now it's like two years, of Patrick Mahomes, but the massive extension, and his play started to slip a little bit because, like you said, I don't think he had the 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 cerebral part of it down. He didn't have the X's and O's part down. He wasn't studying that. He was, I'm a great athlete. I can yep. throw the ball far. That's going to carry me through. Not with the level of intelligence of these defenses in the NFL and these coordinators in the NFL. That league will figure you out if you don't have the capacity between the years to change up your own game. And they did, and you didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And people cannot like what I said earlier, but there's a direct 
a direct tie-in between all of a sudden he's got to worry about his job and now he's there just for social causes and could be a coincidence but man the timing was it was just astounding anyways if he's gonna you know if he's gonna go out and he's gonna have a good uh a good practice but as of recording it's today i believe right yeah yeah uh it's today and you know probably a few hours away from uh as we're recording this and by the time you listen to it probably a couple of hours past it if he goes out and he does what he's supposed to do and he's serious about it then hey good for him at 34 years old if you can have a comeback after not playing for that long and kind of leaving unceremoniously the way you did more power to you man I want to see good football. If you're going to provide good football on the field, I'm happy to watch you on Sunday. Okay. Now, on to some, uh, I guess, questionable. Well, one of them is questionable. One of them makes sense to me. But the two teams that did it, uh, man, I, I, uh, these contracts that are coming out are just insane. And, and we'll get into it anyways. Bobby Wagner, former Seahawk, who was apparently unceremoniously cut without them even informing him until he apparently found out via Twitter or through a teammate or something. They didn't even tell him, which is nice. That's a bad look, Seattle. Uh, has signed a five-year, $50 million contract with the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, people are kind of dogging this i don't really get it i mean everybody was touting the bills for signing von miller to a six-year 120 which is literally twice as much per year uh, on a team that by the way has a quarterback that's going to be making insane money starting next year per year and there's no way that team salary cap can sustain this and keep the kind of quality they have on the field without some big changes taking place People are kind of dogging it. And I'm like, the guy who left is older and more injury prone. No disrespect to Von Miller. He's a legend and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But, I mean, he's got diminishing skills based on age and tread on the tires. Bobby Wagner doesn't quite have that same issue. I don't believe he has a big, a long history of being injured. Uh, and he has high caliber play when he's on the field as does Von Miller, but Von Miller was twice as expensive. And they get Wagner for 10 per, and people are all over him. But they gave several people on that team unnecessary contract extensions on the Rams now, mind you, because they won the Super Bowl, so they had to pay him more now. I guess it would have worked the other way around, too. They would have been able to pay him less if they didn't win, which obviously is tongue-in-cheek. They wouldn't have been able to, so... This team all of a sudden re-upped Stafford when he was already making good money to a contract he'll never see the end of, by the way. And there's no way the team can afford in the long run, along with all the other contracts that they, they have that are big money. Uh, and this one's actually not that bad. And this is the one that gets the criticism. I think it's a great move. If the Patriots had signed Bobby Wagner 5 or 50, I'd have been thrilled. He's a dominant linebacker. Still has a ton of, ton of ability. I mean, he's more versatile, I think, than Von Miller. And he ended up costing him half the money. 
So great move. And um gonna be gonna give Aaron Donald again the ability to be Aaron Donald because you can have another dominant player on that second level. Well, I guess what? Would you consider linebacker second level? Yeah. Okay. Some people would say secondary, but I'm like, no, that's that's the back. That's the third. No. That's the third. First that's levels. La- last line of defense. Second, yeah. Yeah. No, you're uh, right in your assessment. I thought I thought so, but I, you know, people, everybody likes to complain about something. Um, but I mean, I think it's a great move. And this team is clearly saying we won last year. Yeah. We know the players we have uh, aren't, uh, you know, aren't going to be around forever. So what we're going to do. It's work, but they they know what they're doing. They they're aware of it. The Rams aren't doing this like, oh, what's going to happen in five years? But they know when this run is over, they're going to have some work to do on that salary cap, and they're going to have some dead cap. They're going to have some problems. Uh, but they already got their ring out of it, and they have their team in place, and they didn't bring back everybody from their Super Bowl year. They let some players go they thought were expendable, and they brought in other ones to take their place, and they upped the guys that they think are going to help them win again. And it's not a terrible move. So, yeah, they're going to be in salary cap hell in three to five years. And who knows what what kind of product they're going to be able to put on the field. But at least they've won. So they've, you know, traded in their cap security in, in, you know, three to five years for potential to win now because they know they can win because they already have. So that I understand. I look at it this way, Chris. Um, you're right about the three levels. You know, you have a, a a stud player at all three levels, and this will undoubtedly give Aaron Donald more um, ability to do what he can do. Von Miller, edge rusher, great talent, but Bobby Wagner is more side to sideline to sideline. I think a little more coverage, a little more game there compliments Aaron Donald a little bit more. Now, I will say Von Miller probably helped with the pass rush, but I think in long-sustained drives, this might in the long run help Aaron Donald. That being said, I think the front office of the Rams and um, Sean McVay are looking at this. They made a mistake, no offense to Todd Gurley, on giving him a huge contract. Yeah. They saw that and said, okay, we made that mistake. They traded for Sony Michelle, which, you know, provided some value, I guess. But uh, they have Henderson. They still have Cam Akers. I think that's the route they're going to go with at, at, at running back. It's just we're going to bring in talent each and every year. We're going to see who the best running back is, kind of like a certain New England team. Does every yep. year they just they're just gonna have the best running back they can get their hands on, uh, they're gonna draft running backs uh, with certain skill sets, and that's how they're gonna go because they just won the Super Bowl with a combination of Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers throughout the entire season. I mean, so now you're saving money at that position, wrong or right, however you see it, that's a way to build it, and they're gonna reinvest that money they would spend on running back into, you know, a second, a number two wide receiver and Allen Robinson, who they didn't have to pay crazy money for because thanks to the bears and their incompetence, they did not get him the stats and he got a good contract, not a, a outstanding contract, not a contract that I would think his skills would um, correlate to. Yeah. 
and now they can spend extra money on, you know, a linebacker with Bobby Wagner's talent and ability. And I think that's a smart move by them. Uh, why I questioned it was five and 50. I'm like, I was more so the five, not so much the 50. It's mm-hmm. like five years for Bobby. He's plus 30. I don't know if that's going to age well, but you could probably, when, when the numbers truly come out, it'll probably be like a three-year deal, actually. Yeah, probably. Um, kind of like with the whole Von Miller thing, it's like a three to four-year contract. And then the back end is just full of fluff and, you know, probably it'll just get cut or voided or whatever. But, you know, the front-end money for Von Miller, I agree. It's like that's insane money. So comparatively speaking, Bobby Wagner is a better fit for the, the Rams. And financially, it's a better fit for the Rams because I don't think the Rams were ever going to pay that money for, for Von Miller. No, no. And and here's a secondary thought on it, Chris. Now you whatever talent you have at linebacker in, or if you bring someone in, obviously they don't have a – a first or second round pick, but any talent you bring in far as later in the draft or undrafted can now learn from probably one of the best linebackers we've seen. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And again, for the, for the price, considering the going rate of linebackers and, and what some of the contracts we've seen this off season, not bad. I've been more than happy if, the Patriots could have found a way. Apparently, the Ravens were were bidding on him too, and poor Marlon Humphrey had a had a whole ordeal on Twitter. He was he was talking to himself through some stuff. He thought That's they were okay. going to get he thought they were going to get Bobby Wagner, which he would have been he would have been nasty. And, and uh, along with Patrick Queen and some of that secondary, once they're healthy, yeah. that Baltimore defense would have been nasty with him. So, um, yeah, he was he was he was dealing with some disappointment there, which is you know unfortunate for that team because he would have done a lot of good things. But um, well, well, him and Matthew Jujan can kind of coalesce because judah has been trying to no end to report, yeah. root any anyone and everyone anybody, anybody. and he's pretty much uh, no offense i i've liked and retweeted a lot of his you know stuff and it's just he's had no success hey you know what matthew judon great football player not a great recruiter so no. he found his strength he's sticking with that i think he's gonna be okay all right keep trying though keep yeah trying. hey give it a shot man give it a shot the second contract I'm going to talk about uh, is not actually new. It's just an extension. Um, it is the apparently flush with money Miami Dolphins uh, who have signed Xavier Howard, who is a great corner. I mean, yeah. no no knock on the guy at all, to a five-year, $90 million extension. Uh, the problem isn't the extension because – Xavier Howard certainly earned an extension. He plays at a very high level. He's a great player. The problem is with the Dolphins, you just spent $30 million per on Tyreek Hill. And you have all these other contracts. I mean, you're not paying your other receivers peanuts. You have a guy in Tua who, if he ends up panning out year three, is going to be due a big contract when the time comes. Uh, 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 the guy that just drafted Waddle, Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he's only going in the year two, so this is way jumping the gun. But if he continues to progress, who knows what he's going to cost? But okay, you know what? That one's not fair because that's how, that's why teams can spend more money because they do have rookie contracts. So that kind of fits into it. So I'll, I'll leave Waddle out of it. But this team has spent a lot of money in the last couple of weeks on either injury prone players or 
players that, man, you're just paying a lot for them. What could they have done with $30 million per season to build around that team aside from just trading away picks and giving money to Tyreek Hill? Now, if it works out, in next February, the Miami Dolphins are holding the Lombardi Trophy up. Which, I know people are going to laugh at, but look, crazier things have happened. Right. Then, hey, you know what? It was all worth it. The end goal was accomplished, and that's great. If the same thing happens the last time they went on a spending spree, and they end up releasing half these guys after a year or two, or trading them away halfway through their first year of their contract, or players aren't performing, which I think is going to be the case with Hill, aren't performing stat-wise the way they think they will based on what they're paying them, Two is not Mahomes. Slice it any way you want to. We talked about this last week. You can go back and listen to it. I'm not going to rehash it. Two is not Mahomes. There's going to be a drop-off in Tyreek Hill's stats. Is that going to justify all the spending, the giving up of draft picks, if you have nothing to show for it? I, I don't understand what some of these teams are doing. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. You brought in one lineman to protect Tua. Great. Had a pretty decent receiving quality. Devontae Parker's no joke. No. That guy can play. He's had some injury issues, but he's certainly a great, uh, a very talented receiver. Jalen Waddle looked great last year when given the opportunity. The tight end game is strong down in Miami. Mm-hmm. And now you bring in a massive personality like Tyree Kill that's going to kind of become the face of that unit. And is that going to upset things more than it's going to help things? Remain to be seen. But this is another big contract for a team that's done this before and had nothing to show for it. I just looked at, I took a quick peek next two years, Chris, we're looking at, um, Tua obviously, uh, and then Mike Kosecki and Christian Wilkins. That's about as far as like elite talent that, you know, projects to be high paid players. That's it for the next two years. Um, money wise, Xavier Howard's new contract hasn't played into the calculations yet, so I don't know what exactly his numbers, his finalized numbers are going to be. You know, we don't know guaranteed money yet. We don't know any of that. So next year looks pretty light as far as spending, uh, clearly because they're spending it now. So I think you're looking at what kind of what the Patriots did last year, kind of what the Chargers are doing this year is we're spending the money now. And it had better carry over to the next two to three years talent wise, because the money is going to be invested in players that we currently have. Right. Um, that's how I'm seeing it. Good, bad, or indifference. Uh, I will say your top 10, your top 10 corners in the league, as far as AAV, because this is kind of where we always go to, right? Yep. Yep. AAV. Xavier Howard now jumps at number one, 25. He is 5 million over Jalen Ramsey, which I'm sure Jalen Ramsey is absolutely thrilled about. Which is more uh, money the Rams are going to have to spend now to re-up him to make him happy. Correct, because I know they just re-upped him, what, last year or the year before? Uh, and yeah. and uh, Chris, um, we're going to have to talk about something real quick that I just got a notification about, but I'll finish up my thought. Um, Jalen Ramsey, like I said, is number two. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is at three, 19. Marlon Humphreys, uh, 19 and a half at four. Whoa. Yep. Yep. We'll talk about that. Whoa. Uh, yep. 
Um, Speak of the devil and he shall appear. And Tredavious White. My goodness. Sorry. Go ahead. Is uh, number five at 17. And I can keep going. Um, no, that's all right. I can keep going on the list. Uh, the only one I will point out is Byron Jones's number eight at 16, eight, 16, five. So the Dolphins have two top 10 uh, AAV players. But what does that produce? Because you look at the top 10 list, Chris, you have Jalen Ramsey who has a Super Bowl ring. He's number two. You have Carlton Davis at number nine, and he just got a Super Bowl ring. But when you think Carlton Davis, do you think that he's like kind of like the prime source of why the Bucks won the Super Bowl? Or do you think another guy had a big hand in that? Um, I'm not trying to just no, 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 no. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be vague. I'm trying to like, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Sometimes because again, like we just said with with Hill and Mahomes, yeah. Like which one was the driving catalyst to make the other one more successful? And it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. Right. For all we know. He could have been the behind-the-scenes reason why the defense came together and worked the way it worked. Um, probably not. There's probably other people on that defense. Right. The short answer, there's probably other people on that defense that had more to do with it. And then, obviously, we flipped to the other side. The offense had a huge – but my point is, Chris, I looked through all the positions, and I kind of saw the one area that had, I would say, the most Super Bowl wins – is defensive line and more specifically defensive interior line. So great for the Miami Dolphins. Great for Xavier Howard getting his contract extension. He wanted it. He wanted out of Miami because Byron Jones got his five-year, eighty-two million dollar contract uh, last offseason. So he's been complaining since that he should be paid more, which I agree he should be. He's better than Byron Jones by 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 tenfold because at least Xavier Howard affects uh, the turnover game. But if I'm a team and I look at correlation to Super Bowl championships on the and and who has more of effect as far as on the game defensively, I would look more towards defensive line, more specifically defensive interior because you think Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. Uh, the two Super Bowl wins by the New York Giants, um, the Patriots, and they're, you know, not supremely talented defense alignment, but Richard Seymour just went in the Hall of Fame. Vince Wolfwark's probably on his way at some point. Yeah, but and, the, the, the sum was greater than the parts there. Right. Yeah. But you you have a lot of the talent and, and the dollar value needs oh, to yeah, be yeah, yeah. put into the defensive line interior because when you see most teams start to build from the from the bottom up, they start to build in the trenches. So, you know, I, I'm all for them getting their money, but I, I don't know. I agree with you. Miami might be looking at this in a year or two and being like, where did all our money go? And what did it produce? Yeah, and if it doesn't work, are they going to have too much dead cap to go out there and make more moves to build on it? That's that's the problem. Um. But yeah, we, so, should, we should get to the. Uh... Yeah, that's pretty exciting. We just mentioned Devontae Parker, a uh, very talented receiver for the Dolphins, who apparently was expendable because uh, they just traded him to the Patriots. 
Uh, so that is very exciting because Parker is a guy who's usually usually kills the Patriots, honestly. Uh, that that Tua Parker slant route is uh, devastating. Fourteen times a game when they play New England, and uh, that's that that's a good move. I, I really like Devonte Parker. He's very he's the kind of guy Belichick can get the most out of. He's already talented, and he'll find the best role for him. Uh, and this is, yeah, that that look. I realize it's not a a a, a massive name as far as the big names go. But talent-wise, this guy was the number one on Miami two years ago. Before they traded, before they drafted Waddle and traded for Tyreek Hill, Devontae Parker was the number one in Miami and very successful at it. So this is a this is a good deal, and it's a late-round draft pick. So you figure, what, nope. a, f- a fifth maybe? Um, fifth, sixth, seventh? Maybe yeah. it depends. Maybe it's a sliding scale depending on his stats. I don't know. Either way. Awesome deal. Great move. And got um, it, Chris. Uh 2023 third rounder uh for Devontae and a 2023 fifth rounder. Oh, okay. So you have a third rounder next year. That's that fine. Is, That's fine. That is per Ian Rappaport. So I think we can um kind of give that uh some strong credence. That sure, is, uh, yeah, definitely. Accurate. Um, definitely. I would say I will retract my uh anger for not getting Allen Robinson. And retract any statement I made previously that, you know, I want this player, I want that player. I'm happy with Devontae Parker. I think that's a number one for the next two, three years that uh, Mac Jones can build with and kind of develop. And that'll open up opportunities for Kendrick Bourne, mm-hmm. uh, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Have they Henry. brought Myers back officially yet? Uh, not officially yet, but I think he's a restricted. So He is restricted, yeah. So, so but. He's almost kind of like he's going to come back, but this this changes a lot. A lot, I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm it, it is not the talent. It is not the raw talent and ability of Tyreek Hill. I, I will not go that far on this team. And I may be going a little overboard because I'm my bias. This fits supremely well. Oh, totally. This is a great fit. This is a versatile receiver who can do just about everything on the field. Along with a guy like Kendrick Bourne, we saw what he could do last year. Behind the line of scrimmage and downfield. Myers is only going to be a year better with the tight ends. You know, hopefully they you know remember that they have John New Smith more than two games a year. Because uh, when they utilized him, he was great. And then he just stopped. And Hunter Henry was, was phenomenal last year. Yeah, this is... This changes a lot. And it makes things very exciting. And, and he blocks I, too, Chris. Yeah. This is a... a this is a very talented football player with great hands. Like this is not just a guy who's going to catch the ball and not do anything else. This is, this is a Belichick kind of player. And I'll say this, Chris, let's put it out there. Devonte Parker and Jarvis Landry do have somewhat of a relationship. Well, the only problem is Landry wants mega money. Uh, that is the problem. Apparently he that... wants a contract in like the 20 million a year range. And I, I love me some Jarvis Landry. I I I appreciate Jarvis Landry and Robert Woods for my money, the two most mm-hmm. underrated receivers in football, or underappreciated as far as their talent goes. But twenty, you know, prime, dude. Uh, you're not getting twenty mil from anybody for more than maybe one year. A team, if a team's desperate for a receiver, maybe one yeah. year. So there's no long term cap hits, but uh, 
yeah, Devontae Parker is a a very that's a, that's a big deal. I'm very excited about that. And uh, and in division too, Chris. Yeah, in division. Yeah, and he's always a guy, dude. What do we always say? Players come in and they do good against New England. Yep. And then when Belichick gets the chance to get him, he gets him. Judon always killed the Patriots. The minute he was a free agent, Belichick's like, dude, you're coming in. Because yep. if you're going to be able to figure out what I'm putting out there on the field, I want you on my side. Right. So that's uh, that's exciting. All right. So we're we- run a little bit longer than we planned on, but we have one topic left, so we can make this a respectable length episode. Unless you had anything else on those. No, on that real quick. I'm all set. Okay. So kind of a surprise to me. I didn't expect this to happen. I figured he'd be around, uh, you know, since the you know the Bucks resigned Chris Godwin and and Brady came back out of retirement, and uh, you know, Tampa Bay seemed to have every, all their ducks in a row to make another run, especially especially with the state of the rest of the teams in the NFC minus the Rams. Bruce Arians just retires from his starting coaching position. Head coach, starting coach, like just a backup coach. Head coach position. And uh, we'll take a front office role with Tampa Bay. And Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, is going to step in. Got a new five-year deal to be the new head coach of the Bucks. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be too much of a shock. Honestly, I was surprised Arians didn't retire after last year. Remember, he retired when he left Arizona for health. I, think, yep. I, I don't want to say for health issues, but it was kind of assumed there were some health-related issues. Uh, I'm not his doctor. I don't know. But that was the assumption. And they went to Tampa. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, oh, they have, you know, Jameis. And they're kind of mediocre, kind of floating. Although Jameis did almost win defensive player of the year. That was impressive. Uh, and then they get Brady to win the Super Bowl. And I figured he'd ride off in the sunset after last season. Makes sense. Stuck around another year. Uh, and then waited until now to retire which of course has lent to the conspiracy theorists that tom brady made i was wondering if you get to that chris that tom brady made him coming back uh it was only would only come back if bruce arians was not because there's some kind of blood feud between tom brady and bruce arians like there was between brady and belichick because nothing can just be like it has to be brady pushed him out this big conspiracy i think things just are separate from each other uh, as far as i know Brady and Aries didn't have any problem. Like Brady and Belichick didn't. I mean, look, there's gonna always gonna be uh professional like like business disagreements and things like that, but let's be honest. We all knew when Brady came into this team, he came in with a tremendous amount of I don't want to say team control, like he didn't sign players, but right. he had a lot of say in what went on. There were a lot of things that, that went on as far as signings of players for this team, Antonio Brown for one. Yeah. Where that was a all a Brady initiative. Like you could tell Bruce Arians wasn't thrilled about it, but okay, it's going to keep our star quarterback happy. We'll take a chance. Uh, I don't think there's anything here, personally. I get. I guess if you want to try to look for it and kind of start off with the Arians left after Brady came back, you can kind of backfill it and make it sound like there's a problem or a conspiracy of some sort. I don't personally see it. I just think Brady decided to come back because he loves football and wanted to play another year. And especially when he saw the state of the NFC, he's like, damn, we can beat the Rams. We got this. And Arians, who has retired before, decided, yep. I'm not doing this again. But maybe you disagree with me, but that, that's, oh. my, that's my two cents. 
So we do have to have the caveat. I listen to Boston Sports Radio, so um, conspiracy theory is almost like uh, required. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so clearly, I know the whole conspiracy theory. I'll lay it out for you simply. Rumors were Arians was red penning the game plan after Leftwich and Brady would implement it after Marians was doing almost no work. Do I believe that? I believe he probably altered the plays, a playbook, but I don't believe he just did nothing and just waltzed in and red penned it. Uh, there was a prevailing theory that because uh, Brady went to the Glazers box in some, the soccer team they, they uh, run in Europe and Either it was a pitch to Brady on coming back or Brady pitched the Glazers on how he would come back and what stipulations. All I know is Brady was there. There's video and, 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 and images of Brady in the box with the Glazers. Glazers are the owners of the uh, Buccaneers. Okay. There is a line you can draw from when that happened to Brady coming back, to Arians stepping down, taking a, a role, and Todd Bowles elevated. I am not saying it's true. I am just saying there is a line there. You can see a path to where people can get there. I'll say Tom Brady well, probably wasn't ready to retire. He thought he was, and then he found out he wasn't. He wanted to give it one more go because he didn't want he wants to leave out on top. If he if he wanted to do that, he should have retired after the first season. On top, better than uh, better than Belichick, all that stuff. Proved them wrong. Uh, should, I don't know about that. Well, remember Belichick I, had two with the Giants. Belichick still has one more. I, I understand. I'm just saying, in his mind, let's say yeah. in his mind. Belichick doesn't have a Super Bowl ring as a head coach without Tom Brady. Okay, that's fair. In his mind. And yeah. if he wanted that whole, you know, glowing, you know, ness, he could have just stepped away after the first season. But as we've kind of discussed over these past few weeks, the landscape of the AFC has shifted to these super quarterback driven teams that no matter who goes to the AFC from the AFC to Super Bowl, whomever comes out of the NFC is going to have a tough hill to climb. Yeah. And you have basically just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of what the Rams, the Bucks, and there's um one other team that I can't think of that we had. Um you had I had three teams, right? Rams. I had, well, I had the Niners. The my top I had the Niners, but oh yeah, you had the Niners, yeah. But essentially, there's like three teams in the NFC that are kind of like the forefront. So, Tom, you had your chance to walk away if this is the case. On the top, you didn't. You came back. You didn't do as good. Honestly, Chris, this could be the season where it's not pretty for him. Well, then Max Kellerman will finally be right 14 years later. 
I know. That's why I'm not saying. This <laughs> no, no, I know. I know you said no, no. I didn't know. I'm Dude, not gonna say the clip because no, no, I'm no. not a dumbass like him. No. Oh, and make no mistake about it. Max Kellerman is a dumbass. Um. But, well, no, actually, he's probably a very smart man. But, but he just does intentional hot takes just to get clicks instead of actually giving a real point of view, which he probably could do very well if he'd actually just do that. Right. Um. But. <clears throat> uh. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, and it, look, it could be. Brady could have said, I don't want to play for this guy again. I'm retiring. Uh, but, I mean, if Brady had the kind of pull to come in and say, well, I'm going to be able to do all these moves I want to make, even though Arians isn't sure he wants to do it, mm-hmm. I don't think he would have had to retire in order to get the attention of the Glazers to come back and say, I'll come back if he's gone. I think he could have gone to them and said, if he doesn't leave, I'm retiring. If that really was the case, that's my point of view on it. It's he didn't have to do all this. I think he think, thought he was really ready to retire, uh, and then, you know, went about eight seconds without thinking about football and was like, "No, I can't do this. No, I'm calling back this. again. I'm calling back again. Not yet. Not yet." Um, and again, especially when you saw the state of the NFC, like the Bucks are going to be poised to be, I mean, a deep playoff contender in the NFC, providing they don't face injuries, which they did last year, and they still almost made it. Right. So, and they got Fournette back. They got Godwin back. They still have Evans. They have all the other supplementary receivers and the young defensive talent and the uh, veteran defensive talent. And Todd Bowles is the guy who's in there who knows the defense and knows the team because he's been there. So that's a good move to bring. Just bring him up and elevate him. Uh, He's been a head coach before. And a lot of times, guys have better luck their second time around. Uh, Belichick certainly did (laughs) with New England as opposed to Cleveland. So that's a good move. I mean, it's very possible Brady was visiting with them that day at the game to discuss coming back. Doesn't have to have anything to do with Arians. It maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I wasn't there. This is all, all you know, opinion and forming the best opinion with the facts we have. I don't think it would have been necessary for for uh, Brady to retire to get what he wanted from the Glazers. He could have probably just went in there and told them. And if they were going to have that meeting, they probably would have done it in a closed door setting, not in that uh, suite of a soccer game. So, I mean, realistically, he was probably just visiting because he has a good relationship with them. And they were probably like, so, what about coming back? And, you know, Brady, again, eight seconds without thinking about football, was like, okay, let's do it. And then Arians is like, oh, no, I can't do this again. (laughs) (laughs) Completely separate from that. Uh, And if he chased them away, why would he take a front office role if he was chased away from the position he wanted to be in? I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I can see people, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, pulling things up. But all we heard forever was the terrible relationship that the Brady and Belichick had. And that Brady left because he hated Belichick and this and that. And, and and look, it came out that they have a tremendous amount of love and respect for each other, but they had different views of where the team was heading. And Brady, look, Brady wanted to prove he could do it without Belichick, and he did. Now, he did go to a team that already had a supreme level of talent, so... It's not exactly like he was there during a rebuild and made it work, but he still did it. But I don't know. I don't think there's anything to do this conspiracy theory quote. I just think, uh, I think Aaron's is ready to ride off in the sunset again. And, you know, kind of got another off season under his belt and thought about with, you know, potential health issues looming. Uh, right. Can I really do this again? And decided against it. And they had somebody qualified to step in and take his place in Todd Bowles. So, 
it, it, hopefully for the Bucks' sake, it'll be a pretty seamless transition. Although I'm a Pats fan, so I don't really care. But, you know, the objective podcaster in me <laughs> is, you know, oh, good for them. <laughs> but All right, I think that's it. Definitely under um, the two-hour mark. We're a little bit, little bit longer than we planned on, but still not bad. Just make a quick addendum, Chris. Um, sure. The Patriots are receiving a 2022 uh, fifth-round pick in exchange for a 2023 third-round pick. All right, so they um, get a fifth and Devontae Parker for a, a third next year. For a third next year, and the Patriots are expecting um, a 2023 – third round pick compensatory pick for jc jackson next year and so con- literally literally nothing they literally traded him for nothing right and and the contract for Devonte, you ready for this 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 is good his base salary is 5.65 this year 5.7 the following season and he gets 500k uh per game roster bonuses so it's like it's he's got he's a wide receiver one and he's not quite getting wide receiver one money. Two years. If he if he gets an extension, he gets an extension. If he doesn't, like it'll be two great seasons of a hard nosed, talented player that is just gonna help Mac Jones grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for the for, I, for the future. Yeah. It, there's no I there's just, no there's no negative to this move. There's no I, I just need to add to that because that's that just makes it that much better yeah 100 percent. and this is last time y'all wanted him to rush and trade for a big name receiver i know muhammad sanu is not a big name we traded a second for a half a season of muhammad sanu and then he walked away and did pretty much nothing for us right so this is why you don't just run out and sign whoever is there willy-nilly to big contracts right. because these kind of moves are possible right and, and trade and that's why you make deals in the offseason and not during the trading deadline, because they got fleeced for Muhammad Sanu, and one could argue they just performed legalized theft on an individual individual rival. Yeah, who had to get rid of who had to get rid of Parker because they weren't going to be able to utilize him properly, and they were and paying money. him, and they were paying exactly, and they were paying him. You know, I mean, that's going to be let's see, figure and roster bonuses eight and a half million years. So he's going to he's going to be getting. You know, if he's on the roster every game, which I would assume he would be, you're not going right. to leave him off. He's going to make him somewhere in a neighborhood of, I don't know, 13 to 14 before any other incentives. So it's not uh, like he's hurting at all. If five's yeah. his base and then, you know, eight and a half for the game for the 17 games, then yeah, 13 and a half to 14, depending on, you know, how much over five it is. But either way, right. either way, great deal. Again, they traded a pick. They're going to get him as a compensatory pick the following year anyways. Right. So they literally traded him for essentially nothing. And he's a perfect Belichick player. Perfect fit for New England. And, and he, they, did, he they, been, didn't, they didn't mortgage their future to get him. And he would have been a number three on the Dolphins. Yeah. At minimum. Yeah. Where on the Patriots, he's a number one, clearly. And they'll utilize his talent, so... It's a win-win for everybody, more so for the Patriots, in my belief. Now, how, how long before Aguilar gets released? The because, time, ticking, the time yeah. is ticking. If there's a stipulation for a certain date where he's going to make money, roster bonus, whatever, uh, if pre-June uh, release or post-June release is uh, more applicable, we could see it June 
but I, I think very soon we're going to see Aguilar cut and it'll be Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker. You're kind of your core three and they'll build from there. Let's not forget the tight ends and they're probably looking at receiver in the draft because Nikhil Harry is going to be gone. All right. That's going to wrap it up for episode 171. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can you get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and ask a friend to do the same thing. We greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Saturday. Thank you.